Today, I'm excited to share a special social origin interview featuring Sarah Wynn. She's been a successful HR executive for a variety of Fortune 500 companies, been part of major acquisitions to scale talent, oversaw diverse global teams, and now she's leading in a new role as the head of HR at NISA, a dynamic investment advisory firm that manages assets for some of the largest institutional investors in the world. And we got to sit down in person at the NISA Global Headquarters for this interview. Let's jump into the conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sitting down with me and being willing to share a little bit of your journey and some of your thought leadership. Yeah, thank you for coming in today. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So can you take us uh, back down memory lane and share a bit of your origin story? Did you always see yourself leading large-scale teams? Yeah, so I, I've been thinking about this question. and. I would have to say, no, I never saw myself leading large-scale teams. So I grew up in small town USA, and the, the town I grew up in, um, when we actually got our first stoplight, the entertainment was to drive through and <laughs> see the stoplight working. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the idea of working for a large organization and, and leading teams and doing things where I had a really big impact didn't really occur to me um, until it actually started happening in life. Thank you for sharing. I'm curious, you've been in this male-dominated large corporation industry uh, for most of your career, and I'm sure there are challenges that you had to navigate. Uh, I want to explore later, but before we get there, you posted on LinkedIn, and this is how I really got my initial inspiration to reach out to ask for uh, an interview, because you said in 2020, I'm quoting you, you said in 2021, I became inspired to redesign my life. Can you tell us more about that inspiration? Yeah. So when I was experiencing all of the same things that the rest of the world was experiencing, uh, it caused reflection for me just as it did for many other people um, in the world. And as I thought about what I really enjoyed and what really made me feel great about the work that I did, it was always when I had a clear opportunity to make a really significant impact. And I really got to know all of the people that I was helping to impact. And so when you're in an organization that's, you know, maybe 100,000 people, it can be really hard to have that kind of connection. And when you're in organizations of that scale, the, the nature of your work has to be more narrow because there's so much of it to do. So um, those things were, were things that caused me to think about um, what my next opportunity might look like. And in addition to that, I thought about what it would be like to be back at an organization that was privately held and employee owned. Those things make a really big difference, too, um, in the way that you think about um, how you want to do your work and what your horizons are and really who the stakeholder groups are that you are um, looking to support. And so all of those things led me to the decision to move to an organization where I could do all of those things. And just so happened um, that NISA uh, had an opportunity available and uh, was love at first sight. I love it. That's beautiful, powerful. And I think 
I think it's important to note for our listeners, you know, you had a clear action plan. You saw at the end of the day uh, what corporate, the traditional corporate America looked like, and you intentionally pursued a career opportunity that would align with your values. And that was something that when we first sat down, I was highly impressed by, is that it was very clear that you're uh, a values-based leader mm-hmm. um, and that you take serious account to making sure that you can design your life um, to be around those values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that uh, for for anybody who's thinking about, you know, if they're using my story as, as a part of their own, um, one piece of advice that I would give is to go and experience all of those environments. Um, I had the amazing fortune of working for some of the most reputable companies in the world, and I value all of those. And I think the only way a person can have a good sense of where they want to be at any point in their life is to experience some of those things. So when you're um, looking for a potential opportunity, be intentional about what it is that you are looking to capture as an experience or something that you're curious about that you want to explore and make sure that's part of your search. Um, That will help make sure that you get all of the experiences that will help you decide where you want to be. Absolutely. You also said in that post, today with both tremendous excitement and deep humility, it is my honor to wear this new jersey and serve in this pivotal new role. By design, Nissa, I look forward to doing the best work of my career alongside many new colleagues who are doing the same. That really stuck out to me because it was clear to me that this was more than just a job opportunity for you. Can you elaborate what you saw from the outside looking in that attracted you to the firm and now as an insider uh, where you see the complementary strength of that value alignment? So um, the organization very clearly from the outset was going to give me the opportunity to help. So it was clear to me in my interviewing processes that everybody was very open about what it is they, they wanted help with. And that was exciting to me because as much as I love leadership, I also love doership. So the idea of being able to come in and roll up my sleeves and produce something together that helped people, uh, helped people grow and thrive in their roles and in their careers, um, and to get to see the impact of that and, and help people achieve things that they never thought they could, that was the thing that just made it so clear to me that that this was going to be an opportunity where we could shape the future together. Beautiful, beautiful. So you're at this point in your career now where you really have found this values alignment uh, organization uh, that you can partner with and make and build impact together. Beautiful. Um, but I'm sure there have been other points in your, within your career where the alignment wasn't so strong. Can we talk about that in points in your journey where, you know, there was there were potential compromises that you had to figure out and make tough decisions in order to pivot to keep that values true to stay true to who you are and keep that value alignment? Yeah, um, it's funny. There's a, a meme out there that shows what people think success looks like and people think it's a straight line that sort of goes upward. Um, but what it really is, is a whole lot of squiggly lines that eventually hopefully land you, um, in a place that's, that's where you want to be. Um, 
for me, there have been a lot of instances where either I've learned something really important, um, so everyone should always be open to learning, um, or where I've noticed that that there there was a misalignment. And the story that comes to mind for me is one that was earlier in my career, and I was working for an organization um, that that would sell to sell products to. Um, a base of people that did not have a lot of disposable income. And what I noticed about the sales cycle was that the support for the utilization of that would end when the refund basically uh, was no longer available. And so you might have people who were uh, regretting a purchasing decision and may not have been able to, to fully afford that. And then were kind of left with that the weight of that decision for quite some time as they paid for that. And for me, that alignment of, of the timing of the reduction in support um, just didn't align. And I talked to my dad about it. I said, gosh, dad, <laughs> what do I do here? And he said, um, Sarah, this is something I can't give you the answer for. You're going to have to decide for yourself. Um, so I went into the organization and I, I just shared to them that I just didn't think it was going to be a fit for me to be there because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do what I was being asked to do. And so I left and I didn't have another job that was lined up um, at the time. And I had things like student loans and car payments and, and all of those kinds of responsibilities. Uh, but it really mattered to me that I was doing something that, that was going to bring good to people. And while um, what I was doing could, that misalignment was a challenge for me. And I ultimately um, made a decision to, to move on. Yeah, that's powerful. And uh, very courageous for you to be able to make that decision early in your career. And I think uh, as I look at where we're at today and the pandemic and all of the challenges within the pandemic, we've been seeing this great resignation, right? And some people will look at it and say, oh, is that based off of, of, of laziness, right? Uh -huh. That people are jumping ship. But I really wonder if it's based off of the values that people have now had the chance to reflect on and ask the question, do these companies match with the values that I, I see? And I'm curious with your role in leading um, HR uh, at, at so many different companies, do you see uh, do you see a gap where um, it's actually a leadership gap why people are actually leaving in the talent retention story? I would love for you to share some of your insights on that. Yeah, gosh, there are so many reasons that contribute to why people make changes. I feel like through the course of uh, the pandemic, there was a term. Um, that I heard from from a vendor at one point where they talked about during COVID people sheltering in role. And so I think most organizations had a recognition that there was some pent up attrition that that was happening and and would correct itself once people felt a little bit more security in their lives. And I think we've seen some of that. Um, what I think is is possibly a, an equally interesting question, though, is around the motivations of people and how those things might change as, as generations um, shift, for example. So 
um, I think a lot about the the general generational shifts. And part of the reason is I have a a 19-year-old and he and I certainly think differently sometimes. But what I've observed is um, if you look back through history, every time there's a generational shift, generations kind of call each other out on (laughs) on what the, the values might be of those generations. And what's interesting to me is when I look at that, in almost every case, the generation that that has been um, sort of coming up is teaching the next generation things that they wish they'd had, that they wish they could have done, things they believe would make the world a better place. And that next generation grows up incorporating that into their values, into their actions, um, into everything. And then they bring that into the workplace. And of course, then you have a generation who wanted something, but couldn't get it and and helped the next generation think about how to get it. Um, And then you have that generation trying to achieve it. And then there's this sort of merging of those things that takes place, which I think is kind of a fascinating process that's unfolding all over the world all the time. Um, And I think also contributed to the the recent uh, spike in turnover or the great resignation or or whatever you might call it is is all of those things really sort of coming together and landing in the the headspace of people and influencing their decisions fascinating no i love that uh i love the deep thought there of because it's true you know each each generation does have um it has its own unique uh, set of values, right? That, and as I look at myself, I'm a millennial, right? We are, and and granted, like, right, that's why I started Social Origin with my twin brother is we're passionate about culture. We're passionate uh-huh. about making a place where people can feel uh, belonging and support. Um, so I love that study of the generations that you've you've kind of done. As we look at uh, this other group of of uh, leaders that have resigned, it's it's a pretty large group. It's women. Women in the midst of the pandemic have uh, have uh, by and large have enlarged been the largest group that have actually resigned from roles. And so I'm curious um, within your journey as a woman senior executive, what have been some of the challenges that you've seen and experienced, and what advice would you give to women today? Oh gosh, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> that's its own podcast. Um, so I would say that there's a lot of layers and complexity to these questions. So even if you just look at the data, um, you have to dig a little bit deeper and look at industries and roles and all of those kinds of things to start to uncover what what a story really might be around all of those things. And I think we're all still discovering that. Um, I think that during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and, and the great resignation, there are some types of roles that naturally um, experienced more uh, attrition, and often those roles are held by women. And so there's some intersectionality there that that we got to tease apart. Um, I think some of the the challenges that that women continue to to face in the world, you know, have to do with sort of the division of responsibility of families and and how those things ultimately shape up. Um, in some cases, still socialization and and what interests we're encouraged to pursue um, as young people and as we get into the workplace. 
um, and all of those sorts of things. And I think my advice to people, um, whether they be women or, or non-binary or allies of women or, or whatever it might be, just related to, to gender issues, um, is to just talk about it and be open um, with whoever you need to be open with about whatever challenges you're experiencing. And a lot of times I think what you can find is, especially with your allies, um, with your leadership, uh, with your peers, you can find a lot of support and you can also help to tease apart, you know, what are the things that you can do to, to help shift or change whatever those things are that, that seem to be holding you back. Um, and in some cases get help from people in ways that you never knew that you could. So I think just the continued conversation um, and the openness to that conversation is the thing that I would encourage everyone to do, whether um, you're, you're female, non-binary, or an ally of, of women. Is there an example? I'd love to go a little bit deeper. And you're right. It is a completely separate. It could be its own separate podcast <laughs> totally um, good. or podcast series. Uh, but I'd love to go a little bit deeper. And are there any examples that you can share um, within your career of what that kind of partnership and support has looked like um, from from other allies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can even speak to my my own experience. So um, when I was in the early years of, of parenting, um, I did absorb a lot of the responsibility for child care and home care. And I was pretty happy to do that. So I'm, I'm not complaining about that. And that was a choice that I made, um, but it was a lot of stress. So uh, thinking about, you know, a kiddo that, that um, had some extra needs and, you know, aligning that to work and home was not easy. So there were a lot of times where I had to leave um, early or um, come in late or take a day where even before it was something that people often did, uh, work from home just to make all of those things work. And I think about when I was pursuing my um, MBA, um, I got pregnant. I was working full-time, going to school full-time and was pregnant. And at that time, I had a very challenging pregnancy. And I actually had to be on bed rest from about 24 weeks on. And this was way before people worked at home. That just really was not a thing. Um, but I went in and I talked to my boss, who was the CEO, about my situation. And um, I asked him, would it be okay if I dial in <laughs> to things? You guys can call me with a conference phone for meetings and um, I can be connected via email while I lay on my side um, for the next, you know, few months. And he was like, of course, happy to do that. And so that's what we did. And then after uh, my son was born, um, we had, again, some challenges there. And uh, I actually brought him to work with me uh, for a few times because I didn't have a, a child care provider. Uh, that I could rely on for all of my working hours. And so those are some of the kinds of things that for me were huge difference makers. And if, if uh, uh, give a shout out to, to John, had he not helped me with those decisions, those would have been stalls in my career, uh, but they weren't. I accelerated through them and in part because of, of that support. 
Thank you for sharing. What an inspirational story. You know, people have to get creative and think outside of the box because everyone's situation is different and unique. Um, and I love that, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about empathy, but it's great to actually hear an, a practical example of what it looked like in your mm -hmm. life. Yeah, it was extraordinary. <laughs> so um, lastly, as we kind of land the ship, I do want to touch back on just career advice. You've, you've seen and you mentioned earlier kind of the, the generations and kind of the different approaches and different value sets there. Um, what would you give? What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, and uh, yeah, let's just let's go with that. That's the ending ending question. Gosh, I, I would I would write a book possibly to myself <laughs> about all the the lessons learned. I think the thing that would be the overwhelming theme, though, is humility. Um, making sure that as you're doing your work, you're listening to everyone who is um, willing to give you feedback. And you do have to decide what to do with that feedback. In some cases, it may not be uh, valid for you. It may not be feedback that you want to follow. You might disagree, but you got to hear all of it. Over the course of your, your years, if you're listening, you will hear themes. And the themes, even if you don't like them, you really do need to take into account. You need to respond to, and you need to think about whether or not you can make some of the changes that you want to make um, or that, that others might ask you to make. And that would be the single most powerful thing that I think any person can do to really navigate their careers and their lives um, so that would be, that would be the one thing I would give to myself, uh, if I had to choose just one. Oh, that's awesome. Excellent. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for, uh, all that you do, um, here at NISA, uh, within your corporate community, within your community, and for sharing with our community at Social Origin. We really appreciate it. Thank you.